spoken before. You were on the what? Call, oh, you were on the um, book Masters club, right? Masters and Slaves and Money, right, yeah. Right for Breed Loves, uh, yeah. Awesome piece. Uh, and Bitcoin Labrador, uh, we haven't spoken before. You reached out to me on Twitter when I was asking, uh, you know, for people that just got into Bitcoin this year to hit me up. What What I find fascinating is that people that got in this year seem to have really gone hard and fast down the rabbit hole. Like, I, I, and I don't know if this is just me or or what, or if there's actually some truth to it. But I feel like in previous, if people if, like people that I've spoken to, it was like a gradual process. If they got in in 2014 or 15 or 16 or even 17. Um, but a lot of people that I'm talking to that first came into Bitcoin this year, and maybe it's because COVID and we have extra time on our hands, or maybe because the situation is so crazy, but people really seem to be hard, uh, falling hard and fast down the rabbit hole this year. So I thought it'd be fun to uh, to come on and talk about it. So I don't know if we're going to get too extensive of intros here, but Corinne, why don't you uh, just say hi to everybody and get us kicked off? All right, on. What's up, everybody? I'm Corinne. Um, yeah, I fell uh, pretty hard and fast, as John said. Um, per COVID hitting, I think, yeah, I had a little extra time on my hands and, uh, wasn't really happy with what was going on in the world and decided to like take a big look into it and, um, found myself, uh, infatuated with Bitcoin and, um, mainly the philosophy around it, but also actually what it is in, in real life, um, and what it means to us. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's just a little bit here for me. And what about you, uh, Bitcoin Labrador? How, what was your uh, first exposure to all this? My first exposure, I just looked it up. I, um, I used to be a very big gamer and also into computer hardware. And I used to follow a lot of podcasts around that as well. And one day, Stefan Levera got onto uh, Moore's Law's Dead podcast. And he just talked a bit about Bitcoin and libertarianism and that sort of stuff. And I was instantly very much hooked on just the entire thing. And yeah, I continued listening to podcasts and then uh, Plan B's stuck to flow model uh, came up and I had some, uh, some big FOMO and just started stacking sets as hard as I can. And, uh, <laughs> now I'm here. And here we are. <laughs> Man, it's, uh, you know, what was interesting about the MicroStrategy news and the the podcast, the interviews with Michael Saylor, um, you know, I think a lot of us that create content in this space, I mean, we know that people consume it, right? We can see download numbers or shared, you know, uh, shared figures on Twitter or whatever, but you kind of, you kind of forget that it, some of these conversations and some of this information can actually have a material impact on the way people are thinking about things. And Sailor, you know, mentioned a number of different content creators and writers in the space um, that influenced his thinking. And it's so funny, you, you know, Lab, you just mentioned Stefan coming on. I think I remember when he did that because it was kind of like an unusual um, place to see a Bitcoiner uh, as a guest or something. And it's so amazing to think that that's all it takes is like, you know, a random appearance for someone asked him, hey, you want to come on my my show? We talk about gaming and blah, blah, blah. You can talk about Bitcoin for a bit. And that the, the result of that is you and I presume at least a few other people uh, get exposure to these ideas and get exposure to this subject matter and kind of get that little like a little spark of curiosity lit. And subsequent to that, you know, it 
may have an in- enormous material impact on on the course of your life, if not, you know, in addition to your financial situation. But I think as we'll probably discuss in this conversation, I mean, it starts to influence a hell of a lot more than just your balance sheet. Definitely, definitely. So, Corinne, let's go back to you. I, I think we, we touched on this a tiny bit uh, during the, the book review, but what was it exactly that first, like, what was that spark of curiosity that you first got exposure to that set you off down the down the rabbit hole? Um, well, a close friend of mine, we'll call him, um, kind of bombarded me with memes and things of that nature for a while, for a good couple of years, maybe. Um, and I, I don't have a background in finance and I, it's never interested me. I'm not a techie person. I'm more of like a play in the woods and build shit and work with my hands kind of person. So Bitcoin at, at first was like, okay, cool. It's just like this crypto or like online digital gold or whatever. Cool. Like I, I didn't really care about it. Um, and actually, John, I listened to you and um, Optimus Field, My Love and Truth conversation and that resonated really hard I was like holy shit like the conversation these guys are having is like kind of like the core of a lot of things that I feel um so I heard you all and then I saw um a post because I was like kind of playing around on Twitter a little bit at that point um and I saw a post I wrote his name down because I forget every time um Pascal Boyart he did like um, he did a piece of art. I believe it was in Paris um, of the jester. It was kind of uh, it was a, it was based on a piece that was done a long time ago in Poland. But that one really spoke to me as I have a background in fine art. And um, then I think the next thing I did was read when Reed Love posted um, the Masters and Slaves of Money. I was like, fuck, like <laughs> like I'm in. I'm all in and like um it did it just like it clicked and it made sense and I was like Jesus Christ like where what where have I been like (laughs) you know working out of thus far until I read this I was like my eyes were open and the veil was gone you know my my uh perception was cleansed if you will Mm. and um I guess that yeah that was so that was my intro and it happened really fast and like since then I've been nonstop listening to podcasts reading books, reading articles. And like, that's like the truth I've been searching for, or at least my North star. Yeah. That's that's such a good way of putting it. Like the North star analogy, or even I like, I really like that. You said your perception was cleansed, you know, so many people, uh, you know, say a very similar thing. In fact, just today, um, there was some Twitter exchange, uh, some neuroscientist in, I'm not sure where he is somewhere in, in the States, but he he just somehow said like I just got into all this and any educational resources available in American Hoddle listed a bunch of podcasts and writers and stuff for him to check out and uh, I'll actually read it because I I've, I can pull it up but he said something very much to that effect that you just said Corinne um, give me one second sure now while you're looking for it I think like you know, your, your perception being cleansed, I think like Bitcoin gave the opportunity to like allow me to step outside of the system and see it for what it is. In which case before, before now I, I I didn't have the opportunity or the option really. Yeah. Yeah. So, so he, he said, um, 
I just can't believe how blind I was to a system in government that turns us into zombies. Now, obviously, that's that's kind of narrow in terms of, you know, how his perception he felt was, uh, you know, uh, how he gained more clarity around his perception as a result of being in Bitcoin. But like, it's so common that that, like you say, that, you know, the you gain clarity in so many different domains. And mm-hmm. I like it's a really it's a really weird thing. I mean. I've talked about it like pretty much ad infinite uh, ad nauseum here uh, <laughs> on the podcast, but like, what is it about interacting with just a, the soundest money ever? I guess we can call it that, that allows you to look at, you know, so many different things with, with fresh eyes and see the truth or the facade that um, is around those things. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's some sort of a strange phenomenon. What about you lab? Have you experienced a, a similar phenomenon? Yeah, it, it's uh, very similar. Um, my background is a bit different, and I've always been through a lot of experiences and, and people I've followed, um, been very much a privacy activist and uh, fighting really hard for uh, personal privacy and, and, yeah, seeing the whole privacy side of things just kind of be removed as an option uh as a default option by companies and and governments and that's kind of the thing that that got me uh interested at first even though bitcoin isn't exactly private but that's the kind of thing that that uh, opened my eyes and i wrote down a quote from stefan levera from that first podcast i listened to and he said uh Bitcoin is a techno-libertarian solution for a techno-autocratic problem. (laughs) And that really switched my way of thinking because I always had a feeling that uh, privacy breaches come from big companies like Google and Facebook and we need government to step in. And once I heard that, I really, yeah, started looking at things from the other direction. And yeah. And, and, Remind me again, when was that? What time of the year? Uh, that was uh, in at the end of February. Right. And what's what's kind of the the journey been like since? Like, just tell me kind of what you've been going through and where you're at and what's what you're finding the most interesting right now. Um, yeah, the thing with, that you just said about having time on your hands due to COVID and being being locked down. Uh, we've really eased off the lockdown in the Netherlands, luckily. But uh, yeah, it did give me some extra time. And I just spent that listening to a lot of podcasts and reading a lot of books about economics. And I've just really been trying to find arguments against Bitcoin and libertarianism i have since read uh marx and keynes and anything that 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 could provide some kind of sound argument against all this and i just haven't found it at all and (laughs) that's kind of what scares me i yeah why does it scare you? If it if it's if it's so obvious, why doesn't everybody see this? <laughs> well, thousands of years of conditioning and uh, 
us versus them narratives? Probably. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of reasons. You know, one is like we keep saying with this COVID situation, giving everyone more time is like most people are just so busy in their day to day lives and they got kids and job and stress and money and blah, 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 that, you know, there's not that much room to be to dive really far down in a new intellectual uh, rabbit hole. Um, and the conditioning factor and, you know, the stat, the power of the status quo and the, the FUD that had surrounded Bitcoin in its early days around, you know, black market activities and that kind of stuff. I'm sure it all contributes. But I think to your point and the point that I often make is like clearly people are waking up to it. And like how many other how many other things have you ever encountered that when you kind of grasped it at a, at a rudimentary level, you went like just over the waterfall? Like it, it was, it was interest. It was like mildly interesting, and then you just fell headfirst into it. Like the, I can't think of many things. For me, psychedelics is the only other thing that I found mm -hmm. so intellectually stimulating <laughs> and such a deep and mysterious rabbit hole. But other than that, I mean, there's not much. So I think, you know, I think we'd. I, I think this is inevitable that people are going to increasingly find this interesting as long as it persists. And you know. Uh, it's great that I guess we, for whatever reason, we're drawn to it earlier than uh, what's going to be the case for most people. So yay for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, Corinne, I heard that's, you nodded with, sorry, man, go ahead. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things that I do have some, some uh, question marks, like the people that got in, before now, we've been able to just kind of grab like what 80% of the entire available stack of Bitcoin. What's going to happen to the people that, that don't get in? And I'm not talking about central bankers, they can just go get in very late and, and feel the consequence of what they did. But like everybody just a regular people that that don't have any bitcoin and will be forced to buy them yeah that's that's a concern i have what do you mean they'll be forced to buy them well if like the entire narrative about hyper bitcoinization does come to pass and everything all the fiat currencies will will come crashing down then there will be, what, a few million people with a, a lot of Bitcoin. And then 6.9 trillion people with nothing. Billion, yeah. Well, billion, sorry. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I know what you're getting at, but they'll be able to get Bitcoin the same way they are able to get money now. Like once this plays out, you know, and it's, let's say we're talking about a hyper Bitcoinized world. I mean, they'll exchange uh, their labor or services or goods for for Bitcoin. So I, I think your point is that they won't the the value of of speculating early on on a new form of money won't accrue to them to the same degree that it will accrue to people that got in earlier. And I think that's true. And <coughs> I don't I don't really see any way around that, you know, to the people that got in in 2009, 
I mean, they even though it was very cheap, I mean, it was far from a foregone conclusion at that time. So the you know the you could say that their risk was far greater. Getting into Bitcoin now, your risk is far lower. It's integrated. It's been working for 12 years. You know, it's it's a it's a less risky bet, and that will you know that process will continue to play out as we move forward through time. So, um, but I think the big takeaway with you know with Bitcoin is always just that we know that there's going to be you know a few people with a lot of Bitcoin, and that's that's going to bestow upon them tremendous wealth and power, but they won't be able to like perpetually renew that position like the current system allows for, right? So they'll, if, if they're rich and they want good and service, they have to spend that money and they can't magically allow, they can't magically make more of it. And so, um, you know, there will be a, a, a huge wealth disparity, but hopefully the world operating on a sound money will mean that, you know, people's labor is valued properly. They're, they're, on the same fair and level playing field with all other market actors. And they're able to exchange their goods and services uh, to the degree they want for a price that the market determines. And I can't think of a, a fairer situation because like, as we often say about Bitcoin's immaculate conception and the way it kind of crept in the back door here, the sly roundabout way, if it had been, if it had come from central banks or governments or airdrop to everybody on earth, I just, I don't think it could have ever happened that way. I mean, I think it kind of had to happen this way. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to, you know, maybe the concerns that the too much wealth has been, will have concentrated in too few hands. But I think that's just, we got to uh, accept that that was necessary, a necessary part of its, uh, of its birth onto the world that we just have to accept and, and be thankful for the other attributes that kind of mitigate the degree to which that's going to be damaging to, to markets and to people and to the world. No, I don't disagree. I, uh, I think there was no other way, but I think it's concerning that, that there might be a, a much higher degree of concentration at the start, at least. I don't think it's as concerning as the degree of concentration um, that is currently in specific corporations and governments of fiat though. Can yeah, you I mean, maybe, I don't know. Okay, I was gonna want to know if you could hear me. There we go. You know, were you good? Corinne, do you have, you don't have headphones, do you? I'm getting a bit no, of No, can you not hear me? Or, no, no, I can hear you. I can oh, hear you. Okay. We're getting feedback sometimes when- uh, Oh, right on. Um, sorry, I haven't got any headphones. All good, all good. Um, yeah, well, I think the point here is just that because fiat is infinite and because the governments and uh, and you know the people around that spigot are able to draw on it you know in, in effectively infinite amounts it's hard to make a case that any other situation of wealth disparity would be worse than that because in the current in the current paradigm we have you know one one entity or one group of of people that have limitless access to uh, the creation of money and, and, you know, quote unquote capital, much as it is diluted every time they kind of take advantage of that. Um, and then in the other one, you have whatever the, whatever the wealth disparity is, but it's not infinite, right? So, you know, I, I, I take the points again, but I, I just think that will, over time, that will even out. You know, the concentration will be less and less. I guess this is the point. Over time, the concentration becomes less versus more. Right now in our system, the concentration becomes more and more and more and more and more. 
because of people taking advantage of how it's structured in the future it'll be it it'll be take it'll be uh the disparity will be less and less i guess is what i'm trying to say that's a very fair point i think yeah um corinne last time we spoke was uh during the the, the <coughs> review of robert's article where's your head been at since like how uh how have your your friends and you know the people that you know uh have you been talking to them about bitcoin what's been kind of uh how have you been expressing this newfound clarity that you referred to earlier well you know i was like real pumped still am <laughs> um and then you're like man i have a responsibility if i don't tell everybody i love about this like i'm fucking up you know like like uh, lab said what about the people who don't get in right like then they don't have anything or they have less to start with or what have you i mean regardless bitcoin offers um a set of rules that you can't mess with right for the playing field but um yeah, so I I kind of like dip my toes in anytime anyone's like, oh, the left or oh, the right, because, you know, politics are very, very hot right now, hot button issues. I know you're both not in the same country I am, but, you know, uh, the uh, election's coming up here for us. And um, all I can think every time I hear an argument is like, oh, you guys, you're just battling the same, like opposite sides of the same coin, like let me tell you, you know, so um, I've, I've dipped my toes into to trying to like, you know, pontificate a bit on my on my end. And um, predominantly, I sound like a crazy person, I'm pretty sure, um, most likely because I have so much enthusiasm behind what I'm talking about. Um, so I backed off, but I have went through like this, this like subtle, um, maybe state of like mourning, I'll call it. And so far as all the people I love or who have been very close to me for a number of years, I feel like I maybe can't connect with them as much on specific levels. And then also when every argument I can boil down to like, well, that's fiat, that's fucking all of that up. You know, um, it, it's really, it's I, so I've been being very, very cautious and like lightly stepping um, uh, more recently, because I think I was like a little too much at first. <laughs> yeah. So I think, yeah, luckily I do have a couple, like, I have like a close person in my life that I'm able to actually talk over the phone with about everything. But, um, and my husband isn't like super into Bitcoin. He'll listen to me and like, he has same background. Like he's a chef. He isn't interested in finance or, um, tech at all. Um, and I, the points I've made, he's like, cool, great. Let's sell some more shit and buy some more sats. Like sick. Great. But that's kind of where that ends. Um, so yeah, I think I, I, I went through like a, a period of like kind of feeling like this sort of like loss almost with that. I'm not able to communicate freely and fully with people because I think it's kind of lost on them maybe. Um, so that's where I'm at with that. Very interesting lab. Do you have any experience in that domain? Yeah, uh, similar uh, to uh, what Corinne just said in the beginning, very enthusiastic and, and trying to tell all my friends like, hey, this this whole thing has, has blown my whole worldview open and I think you should, uh, you should take a look at it. And 
most of my friends were just like calling me saying, hey, is your account hacked? You're, you're talking about this, this Bitcoin stuff? And I was like, no, 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 I'm serious. And, and most of them just, uh, yeah, kind of brushed it off. Um, I had a few uh, people interested um, that I sent a few sets to and, and they are uh, took a few steps, but yeah, mostly just very defensive about uh, about their current worldview. So that's a shame. Uh, luckily, I do have a uh, a great boyfriend who literally just uh, stacked a lot of sets on uh, on Bisc without any KYC. So that's that's some uh, nice progress nice. in that field. Um, but yeah, my friends are are very uh, very. Uh, stuck in their way um, mm. for the most part. You know, Corinne, what you mentioned about like mourning, like a, a subtle sense of mourning, I, um, I've i never really interpreted it that way, but I, I know exactly what you mean. And I think it's tough, right? Because we're here talking about, um, you know, our perception being cleansed, again, to use that great term, and to to be seeing the world through you know, clear what we perceive to be clearer eyes and to be able and to be seeing the truth of, of many things in, in perhaps a way that we hadn't seen it before. And of course, that that totally reshapes how you see the world, you know, as it really kind of uh, delivers to you uh, a, a new perspective on so many things and to be encountering people where that process hasn't happened. Maybe I'll say hasn't happened yet or maybe it will never happen, but it hasn't happened like it's it's a very like a really obvious kind of divide between you and them like you've got all these people Corinne like you were saying in the states who are super obsessed with the current political uh dynamic and what's going on and um people framing all of these issues in in a way that to us seems so absurd now that we kind of see what underlies the many of these issues and to be to be squabbling over those those higher level uh symptoms and be treating them as causes versus actually looking down at the foundation of these things to try to understand how they we may actually treat the underlying causes and get resolution of the symptoms higher up it's i you know i think all bitcoiners and everyone listen to this will have some degree of um you know, they, they can understand that sentiment to some degree because we all find ourselves now in social environments and, you know, you, you try to be social and happy and, and, <laughs> and kind of get along, but you know, it, it's so when, when so many of these highly charged conversations pop up these days, I mean, you really want to get into like a lengthy thing about why it's not, you know, how they're perceiving it to be, why it's, mm-hmm. it is actually related hard as it may be to, to, uh, ex- understand this it is related to the money um and you know all the other arguments around bitcoin and money um but it's a very i guess it's kind of an isolating feeling which is why it feels so good to connect with your bitcoin homies because it's the group of people that they get it like you know you don't even have to you know after two minutes of talking you're like yeah we're on the same frequency we 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 know what you know I, i i i understand exactly what you're saying so um that's a tough part. And, and, and it's, you know, it's really funny lab. You were saying that you've, you've talked to a bunch of them and they're just kind of think you're a bit 
crazy or they're not really interested. I just, what do you guys think it is that, you know, because they're seeing you totally different than you're seeing yourself and we're seeing ourselves, right? Like we see ourselves as, you know, trying to be as informed as possible and trying to attack this issue and understand this, this thing as deeply as possible and relying on, you know, the great thoughts and words of people that came before us and trying to put things in a historical perspective and trying to challenge our own assumptions about what Bitcoin is and how much staying power it has. And, you know, the influence of money and all the philosophies around that, like we're, you know, so we consider ourselves to be, you know, deploying a lot of logic and reason to come to these conclusions that we've come to. Um, but they obviously don't see us that way. I mean, presumably they see us, you know, as maybe gullible people that, um, you know, got attached to a fad and think it's all that. And it, it, it isn't really. And it, it's, it's funny to me because I think any one of us, maybe given our personalities, if someone had come up to us and, you know, really spoken to us in that kind of a way, we probably would have responded positively to it. You know, mm -hmm. someone coming up just calmly explaining something. But so many people seem, um, I guess, not responsive to that. What, Karim, what, when you've done that, you said you kind of went, you've dialed it back a little bit. Mm -hmm. but, you know, what would, what would people respond to you when you tried to explain how, you know, maybe the issues they're focused on aren't the, the most important ones to be focusing on? I guess I've I've um I've approached it in in like the manner of like a, a lot of people that I keep you know in my circle who are close to me have good hearts and have have um like a a good intention you know they're not they're not like greedy bastards or shitty people they want good things for everyone so a lot of people align with maybe more of like a socialist um, ideal or viewpoint but I think it's not they don't understand what what it looks like to get to what they're thinking about. Like, so I guess um, when I'm speaking with them, it seems like, okay, I think you're all are, you're hacking at these like branches of evil, but what I'm talking about is getting at the root of it, right? And when I'm using evil, I don't really mean evil, like good versus evil, evil or morality. I just mean like, does it, Am I making sense when I'm saying good versus evil? Yeah, keep going. Okay, yeah. So <laughs> I guess like um, their viewpoints on how to get there, how to get all these things for these people are like, yeah, but we're at that point, we're still under some person or state or group's rule and authority. So that's that's not really, I don't think at the heart of anyone, that's not what anyone's looking for necessarily, right? So I think when when we start getting into that discussion, um, it seems like a lot of people are very connected to their ideals and their views and their beliefs insofar as that's their identity. So when we have a conversation, I think it feels like maybe I'm attacking them personally and not necessarily the issues that we're discussing. So I think that's where the where like the big head butting like oh shit okay I need to back off like I'm really hurting these people's feelings which like grow up here whatever but also I really love these people I really love these people and I understand what they're talking about so like I I understand um where they're coming from I guess because I was at one point there myself so I think that's where I am right now when I'm talking about pumping the brakes is like 
trying to understand, like, I really have to like carefully weave these ideas into our conversations versus being like blatant, like this is the fucking problem. And this is potentially the solution or the, the first solution in thousands of years, right. A decentralized money. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I guess that's where I am right now. Right. Lab. What about you? Yeah. Um, I used to be a very big socialist myself as well until I found Bitcoin. And I think the, the problem is mainly that, that you need to do a 180 degree turn when you see from a, from a socialist perspective, it's, it's social. You want to care about other people. Mm-hmm. And when you think about capitalism, it's, it's ruthless and hard and only about money. So how, how could anybody think that way? It's about people. You should care about other people. But when you actually start learning about how, how the economy works and, and uh, how these systems, what consequences they have, it's the only way to have a, a social society it is capitalism, I think. So it's, it's really hard to, to, without all the context that, that uh, you or I have, having uh, learned all these things about Bitcoin and uh, how economies work and sound money, without all that context, just going up to people and, and saying, well, socialism sounds nice, but it's actually really bad. That just doesn't work. And I think, I don't know where I heard this, but someone on some podcast probably said that everybody needs a very specific part of Bitcoin told to them first that will resonate with that person. Um, I think that's that's very true that everybody needs a, uh, a different way of being told about Bitcoin before it clicks for them. So, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that any further, but <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think I, I agree. It's I uh, I think that's why it's so important on the on the benefit of that. I mean, Bitcoin. Uh, is influence or you know bitcoin's gravity pulls on so many different things that i think that gives us a lot of opportunity or gives people rather a lot of opportunity to have those entry points at different you know places like you may well i mean if you're coming from a socialist sort of uh, philosophical viewpoint i mean you may be very uh, against the libertarian viewpoint so that's probably the wrong door for you but maybe you know um maybe some other doorway about, you know, decentralization being a, a kind of more robust uh, system and, you know, something that's more resilient. And maybe that has some interest to you for some reason or whatever the, the entry point it is. But I think you're right that, you know, kind of people have to people have to take the easiest route to getting uh, into Bitcoin. And then after that, then maybe, you know, they'll begin to change their views on a great many things. I mean, this is what we're actually talking about today. And I, I want to break into that. But Corinne, you mentioned that a lot of people um, perceive it to be an attack on their identity when you challenge their beliefs or, or things that they hold to be certain in their mind. And uh, I think that's true. And you might be able to boil down, you know, uh, you know, people that generally are 
very open to Bitcoin is like certain people almost like to be wrong, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, and I, I would put myself in that category. Same. Um, and because I want my, my thinking to be upgraded as often as it possibly mm -hmm. can be. Other people, and, and I, I guess that is part of my identity and it's a very kind of open identity to say like, and I, I love a good, you know, fight. I love a good challenge, but the purpose, the reason why I love that I mean, there's a little bit of ego there too, because you know I like to win like anybody else. But you're a human um, being. Yeah, but the, the, you know, I want I want to kind of get in the ring and see who's which idea is better, and I'm happy to accept the results of that. And obviously, a lot of other people, for for you know, probably deeper um, psychological reasons, they yearn for and gravitate towards certainty. And I think this is part of the reason why you know something like mainstream media or mainstream news is so compelling to a, a certain subsection of people is because it kind of is that certainty that they can grasp onto and say, through this perspective, the world makes sense. So I'm mm -hmm. going to rely on that perspective. And if you challenge that perspective, my world no longer makes sense. That makes me more insecure. And I'm going to reject that. And I have, you know, I kind of, I'm, I'm backed up by the authority of that perspective from mainstream media and the, 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 you know, the sources that it relies upon. So I get how, uh, why, you know, something that's so challenging to the status quo on so many levels would be perceived as an attack on people's identity and why they might, as a result of that, you know, be pretty adamant in, in refusing it, you know, mm -hmm. or refusing to, to, to learn more, be open-minded about it. But on that point, um, you know, we talk a lot about how when you get that new perspective that's um, that comes as a result of learning more about Bitcoin and money and all that stuff, uh, we begin to change ourselves as as people and our ideas change, our philosophies change, our approach to many different things in our lives can sometimes change. Um, I know you guys have only been in this for a short while, but you seem to have fallen hard and fast. I'm curious if, or I'm curious what, if any, uh, kind of changes have taken place in your your own lives since you've uh, you know, been orange pilled. Lab, you want to go or? Yeah, sure. Um, mainly it's, it's a lot of things about time preference. And as soon as I learned about, uh, time preference and, and, uh, well, actually also having a hard money to save, uh, save what you have that just really turned my spending habits upside down i wouldn't say i i bought a lot of stuff but there's still plenty of things i bought that i just don't need and that's really uh gone down ever since i i learned about bitcoin i really don't buy anything i don't need generally um and i spend a lot more time learning and yeah my spare time is mostly spent listening to podcasts reading books or that sort of thing where it used to be spent gaming or, or otherwise just uh yeah kind of wasting my time so yeah i've i've become a lot more focused on on just 
learning things and and preparing for the future, I guess, and not so much just uh, living right now. And was the the kind of political uh, philosophy switch from socialism to whatever we call Bitcoin, you know, economics or uh, you know capitalist capitalism on hard money etc did that happen uh, as a result of going down the bitcoin rabbit hole or were those changes happening prior to that no that was really a result of the bitcoin rabbit hole and um yeah i've also been uh learning about libertarianism and uh austrian economics just like most people uh have i imagine uh, who went down a Bitcoin rabbit hole. Um, yeah, it's it was rather quick for me, I think. And what you just said about uh, the mainstream media and people clinging to a worldview that makes sense to them. Funnily enough, for me, the world makes so much more sense to me now than what it used to. Mm-hmm. I used to think about the world as some kind of really complicated, convoluted thing. And I had my own little niche and I'd just stay there because other things are really complicated. And now I see it much more as a lot of human beings with a lot of incentives to do stuff and they act upon those incentives. And well, you can put a lot more words into it but that's kind of how the world works i think so yeah the the switch for from socialism to a more capitalist mindset didn't take long for me either right because it just makes so much sense when you have all the bitcoin people yelling into your ear (laughs) (laughs) you know it's funny you mentioned that because I, I think that's maybe another hallmark of a lot of Bitcoiners is that the world never seemed quite right. You know, there, it's just, it always seemed like something didn't add up. And, you know, I, I use the term describing it recently is, you know, that clarity that you gain from, from Bitcoin and that understanding uh, of the impact and implications of Bitcoin makes the world seem far more congruent with, you know, with everything, but particularly kind of you and the world. Like I, I find myself feeling, even though, you know, I kind of contradict myself a bit because I feel less congruent with mo- more people because my perspective might be uh, like more counter to to the mainstream than it previously was. Although I've always been a bit of contra- a bit of a contrarian, but you know, Bitcoin just is that puzzle piece that kind of makes it all makes sense, like you were just saying. And that congruence with the world, like not not having to any longer doubt yourself, like why doesn't the world make sense? Like I'm doing my best to be a good person and to be healthy and to live, you know, a good life and the life I want to live. Why doesn't that fit with this world that I'm perceiving? And that, you know, Bitcoin comes along and the clarity that it kind of, the light that it shines on both you and the world and, you know, the truth of a lot of those things if it feels like it's made that relationship far more congruent and congruent and like, Oh, now, like now it does make sense. And now like, I feel like I, I like, I don't doubt my, 
understanding of the world as much. And it's, it's such a more powerful feeling to think that the world can kind of operate uh, in, a, in a way that's more congruent with um, how you're seeing it and how you wish it to be and, and kind of reflecting some of those qualities that, you know, I guess the, the better people among us uh, have been trying to refine within ourselves over the course of our lifetimes. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty, it's a powerful feeling and, uh, you know, long may it continue, I guess, or amplify, or I guess that's why we keep running down that rabbit hole to see if it, it gets uh, even more as we go. Corinne, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I definitely second a lot of what you just said. Um, yeah, I, I feel like I've always been like a truth seeker or what have you. And um, I, I don't feel like I fit in any of these like nice, neat little boxes. Like I grew up in a, a pretty conservative, like uh, politically conservative home and uh, a Catholic church. And I, I found no answers in either of those. You know, I flirted with socialism a little because I was like, well, you know, I do love other people and my neighbor, et cetera. And I want what's, you know, good for them and a good foundation for them. Um, so that idea was like, maybe kind of spoke to me a little bit that maybe everyone should have access to all of these like main things that we need to fucking exist in this society as humans. Um, but the way to get there didn't work. Uh, and I actually, you know, started looking in at libertarianism. Is it an ism? Yeah. Okay. Libertarianism. Uh, for a, a few months prior to this lockdown shenanigans going on. And, and I think honestly, I was like, it's still a little too much government for me. Like, <laughs> you know, I, I had this realization that like, who am I to think that I know what's best for anyone else ever, even like people that I'm very, very close to. I don't know what's absolute best for them. So who, who, who the fuck am I to say that? So thinking of that, like who, what is, what is some group or state or government to know what's best for all of these people? Right. Like, so that was out. Um, so just this idea of like, um, you know, I'm reading the sovereign individual right now and it, it's a little thick for me. It's taking me a little bit to get through it, but, um, you're still in the first half, aren't you? Oh yeah, yes, yeah. I am. Yeah, it's like better. A, I'm like yay, and if you will, um, the back half is, is the best. Sure, and that's fine. Like it takes me a little bit to digest, and like a lot of um, yeah, a lot of heady heady writing takes me a minute to get through. But um, I guess yeah, I've, I have I feel really empowered um, with the idea that ultimately, like I am the judge and jury in my life. And so should everyone else be. And um, I feel actually really like aside from like the the little bit of mourning idea that I feel with um, losing maybe touch with some people close to me, um, I feel I feel a, like lighter knowing that this option is here now um, through Bitcoin because without it, shit, I was like running around looking for these truths or these answers and like like you said like psychedelics like like obliterated some like very deep grooved pathways that I was taught which was awesome but then I was left with like well so still like what is this and where are we and what's going on here and what what are we 
supposed to be doing with this life and what is this world? So yeah, I guess just having like this solid ground and this foundation to stand on um, and be, yeah, go ahead and like, it's fine with me if it changes, you know, along the way, like I'm all about being flexible versus rigid because rigid breaks. And um, I guess that's where I am. So I'm, I'm really happy with that. I have something solid to stand on and that I have something outside of this whole system um, to exist within and look at that on, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah. You're, when you say you're fine, if it changes, what are you referring to? I guess I just mean like whatever my truth is, like I'm, I'm fine with if that changes now. I think I was looking for a long time. I was running around looking for like this, like the definitive, thing. yeah, this definitive thing. And now I'm like, oh, it's cool. Like we live in such fragmented realities within all of our brains. There's no fucking way we all have one legitimate truth that, mm -hmm. that would make sense and resonate with all of us. So I guess that's what I mean by I'm fine with it. If, if, if it changes, that's fine. Yeah. But now I know cool, we have this fucking new money, which is a new universal language, which is a foundation, a bedrock. In and of itself, it's a new technology. It's a non-violent <laughs> defense mechanism. Like, there's so many beautiful things that are stemming out of this and, like, giving us this space to create a new world, which I'm pretty pumped about. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I love that. And, I, you know, on the psychedelic point, I won't belabor it as I often do, but I... I I agree with, you know, or I, I had a similar experience to you where, you know, you have these ineffable experiences and there's something incredibly mysterious going on there. And I think, you know, very beneficial regardless of whether Bitcoin exists or not, but it is kind of the case, like you, you come out of those experiences and the dust settles and you integrate whatever you were kind of integrating. And it's still kind of like, yeah, but what about down here? Mm -hmm. You know, like up there is, is great. And those, the, you know, the insights and the, the mystery and the magic and whatever, you know, but, um, and, and it can be beneficial, but, you know, back in the real world, we still are kind of left, you know, with empty hands or were, and that's why, um, you know, something like Bitcoin is so amazing because it, 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 you know, it's, it's something that resolves so many things now, now down here in the real world that we can actually kind of almost affect some of that change that you gain clarity. Cause you know, psychedelics are another thing that, um, uh, what was that term you used earlier? You know, like cleanse your, your, your perception, right. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the famous line from, um, I think it was William Blake quote, quoted by Aldous Huxley, but he says, you yes. know, the doors of perception are cleansed. And, um, I, you know, that is definitely a hallmark of the psychedelic experience. And obviously, as we've been discussing here, a hallmark of the Bitcoin experience. So I, I, it's fascinating the parallels, but just to your point, I think even a lot of the people in the psychedelic or pe that, that pursued those practices that I've spoken to, they kind of, you know, great people and we're working, you know, on becoming, you know, improving themselves to the extent possible, but didn't really have a tether to like, it's, you know, never really had a way to manifest a lot of that in the real world because, you know, none of that changes the world outside, mm -hmm. you know, um, which is why I think, you know, perhaps that that group of people or people that are drawn to that, um, those those practices and and subject matter might be, um, you know, receptive to the idea of Bitcoin. 
Have you spoken to friends of yours who, you know, had been into that and about Bitcoin? And if so, what was the response? Yeah, those are the people I was talking about before. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have a pretty like, I wouldn't call them degenerate by any means, but definitely like off the beaten path crew um, that I've hung with for years and years. And um, yeah, I mean, like I met all these people in the music community, like we went and saw live music together, you know. So, and honestly, when I found this crew of people, I was like, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. Like, you know, they're not into the government, like they're living off the land. They're all about like, whatever you want to do, you know, each person. Free spirits. Know, yeah. And like, I was like, nice. And then I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit, you know, and that was like however many years ago, but like I had made pretty good friends with quite a few of those folks who like, I'm a godmother now, you know, and they're all having families and raising babies and have real jobs, real jobs. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I have, those are the people I'm talking about who I have had discussions with. Um, so, you know, I think maybe, maybe one night when it's a little late and we can like roll up and puff and hang and sip on some bourbon or something, you know, um, little by little, it might be a thing, but I guess I'm like, it's not, uh, I'm not trying to push it anymore, I suppose. Yeah. Right. Like I, people need to figure shit out for themselves. Yeah. The big hurdle to cross is for that kind of group of people I find is that amongst those people, you often get a very like compassionate, empathetic sort of attitude, which is wonderful, but it definitely that sort of attitude, uh, if you convert it into political philosophy, it's a very mm -hmm. kind of socialist sort of attitude. Like, yes, let's provide everything for everyone right. all the time, make sure nobody's left behind. And like Lab was saying earlier, you know, capitalism on the surface seems like it's very heartless. Um, and the thing that I think people don't realize, or that it's not surface level, it's a little bit difficult to realize, is that it actually provides the most for as many people as possible. But you have to let be okay with how the process works. Um, right. And you, you destroy it if you try to uh, express that compassion and empathy via just taking, you know, basically stealing from one group of people and giving it to those who you believe are are in need. And that's kind of the big hurdle for the psychedelic people because they're so kind of <laughs> earthy, you know, mm -hmm. um, you know, we all know the type of people I'm talking about. <laughs> Your face, what you doing? You just said that. Yeah, totally. And like, I mean, I was, you know, I was in the uh, boat of like, fuck capitalism, money's evil, but I didn't really understand what capitalism was or what money was. I was just spewing nonsense um and then it and then it turns out like oh capitalism is a beautiful system that um really maximizes growth and collaboration and creativity and lets the community weed out the bullshit if you let it work naturally without you know printing fucking money and uh keeping shit alive that should be dead so like the true what capitalism actually is, I think is beautiful. Mm. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think maybe the, I, maybe the terminology is kind of fucked at this point, but like, cause it's just freedom. That's what capitalism means. Mm -hmm. You're free to exchange your labor and goods with anybody else. And nobody can, can surreptitiously take things from you via inflation or any other way. 
and like that you may the, the discussion about how you manage property rights uh, and that kind of thing in a system is a good conversation to have but capitalism has been so tainted by the way people have used it over the last number of years where it's like the freedom argument at least i would like to think people will be especially that group of people will be more receptive to it. it's like look look let's forget all the isms mm-hmm. all we're talking about is allowing people to be free and if you want to work for two hours a day and charge $20 an hour for your labor, have at it. And if you want to work 80 hours a day and charge $10 an hour for your labor, do that too. And if you want to sell beer or if you want to sell tennis rackets or whatever, you know, you're free to do that. You're free to make that choice. And I'd like to think that people would um, have less of an issue with that type of framing, but we're in many cases, and the sovereign individual is such a great book for, um, elucidating and digging into this process, but we're kind of so far down um, or in the latter stages of kind of statism, I guess, that so many people just have a very difficult time with um, imagining a world with like very small or no state that's in charge of uh, allocating resources so that people have healthcare and education. And yeah, but what do you do about these people? And what do you do about these people? Like nobody. What about the roads, John? I, yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And uh, yeah. I, I mean, I get that all the time when, yeah. when this conversation comes up and like, don't you think in a civilized society, people should be, you know, we should provide healthcare for people. And it's like, no, because I think mm-hmm. if people want it, the market will provide the absolute best options exactly. available. Mm-hmm. And so they're still going to get it. Like, I'm not heartless. They're going to get it. But mm-hmm. if they actually want it, the market will provide it. And if they don't want it, it won't. And it'll provide it. In a, if they do, they'll provide it in a better way at a cheaper price, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But we're just, you know, so many people um, grew up. And I mean, we're in the cave, you know, and yeah. we're, in, we're in Plato's cave and, and people don't see what it looks like outside. They just see that this is normal and this is how things should be. And when the greater the problem, the more uh, you lean on the government to solve it without realizing that that actually makes it worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most people don't even realize that no government is an option at all. Right. I didn't. I'd like to get back to two little uh, side quips that Corin made about Bitcoin providing a new language and money being the root of all evil. Uh, that thing that people say and i think that's a really important thing that um you gotta realize that money isn't a problem or has any morality it's a language it's like language it's like speaking english to each other it's a way of communicating something and when people don't realize that they they that's when when you start getting into the things like capitalism is evil because it's all about money. Yes, it's all about money, just like society is all about language and communicating. And that's not a bad thing. And money is just like English. It's it's a way of communicating things. And I think that's one of the things that most people don't realize that that's what money is, not some kind of thing that comes from the government and and fat people in suits smoking cigars have (laughs) what was the second thing yeah the money being the root of all evil part Uh that that 
uh, as you said, it's that's the way most people think about it, and that's how I used to think about it. But it can't be. It's a way of communicating. It doesn't have morality. It's a yeah. tool. Yeah. Yeah. That's 100%, it. 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. It, 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 the, the, yeah, it's got a bad reputation at this point. But, you know, the other thing is, I was listening to Powell recently and his, and his Fed statement or whatever. And, the, like, people seem to be, well, we've been conditioned to think, like, price stability. Yes, that's, like, that's a good mandate. That's a good mm-hmm. thing to do. And I think we'd all be better served by people being more familiar or or kind of normalizing the term. We don't want price stability, but we want um, the price signal to be pristine. That's mm-hmm. what we want, you know, to be as uninfluenced and as unmanipulated as possible. That's the highest ideal for a money, a pristine price signal. So even mm-hmm. gold, I mean, it, it its price signal was to some degree not pristine because it it has new supply that comes online every year at around 2%. And that means it'll always kind of influence uh, how it's used. Um, so I think, I mean, that's just a side note, but um, this whole, there's so many narratives that need real shaking up. And <laughs> I, like we often say, I don't think most people are going to come at this from an intellectual perspective. I think most people will come at this from a necessity and or greed perspective, you know, whether they think Bitcoin is ripping and they want to be a part of it or people start demanding uh, Bitcoin for payment and uh, for products and services or uh, the economy, the Bitcoin economy grows and grows and maybe they're opportunistic and they want to be a part of it. And uh, as a result, they have to accept it. But, you know, this conversation right now gives me so much uh, enthusiasm and hope because like two years ago, if I bumped into you guys on the street and we just like <laughs> hypothetically had coffee together and we're like, let's talk about our worldviews about stuff. Like I'd probably hate both of you guys. <laughs> because you, so, you know, like lab, you would have been like spewing the socialist nonsense and Corinne, you probably yeah. would have been like a little more on the, you know, like the earthy group that like, I was yeah, talking let's about. Let's just before. love each other, man. Yeah. None of that even matters. <laughs> no one needs right. money. Right. Yeah. And I'd be, yeah. you know, like, biting my nails off trying to stay there talking to you guys and, and <laughs> but here we are short you know 12 months later or you know and and you guys and I, don't get don't get me wrong it's not i would have been the same way you know however many years prior i mean the, what my point is just that this information is is you know pretty much realistically rapidly spreading amongst lots of different people and it's really impacting how they think about things and like that is that's amazing. You know, I'm, I'm always blown away at this, at how profound a shift in perspective this thing uh, delivers to people when they kind of earnestly go about trying to learn about it. So, I mean, there's hope for the world yet, I guess is mm-hmm. my point. And that's why I'm so stoked about like, I don't know, there's a shit ton of podcasts available and like people are making art about it. People are making like Citadel's doing like some dope stuff, like all the things coming out that speak to me that like years ago, I wouldn't have been in here. Right. Cause like, I don't, I don't, I never cared about finances. I never cared about tech stuff. So like just this whole movement of all, all these people, like understanding what Bitcoin is or like as much as they can with their lens, but then doing like their shit that they're pumped about in the name of that is so cool to me. Cause it's like, how many people are they speaking to 
that other people ha- wouldn't have, right? And like, I, I saw someone on Twitter, like, saying something about like, all the sailor interviews are all the same, or whatever, or these pods are all like, basically the same story. But it's like, maybe, but you don't know who's listening to which pods, right? So like, mm-hmm. that message is getting across in so many different ways in that point. So yeah. I think that's what I'm pretty pumped about right now is like, yeah. people finding their voices. Totally. And, you know, like Bitcoin is money, right? So it's going to be related to anything that you might want to do. And so people, as you were saying, like they might get into Bitcoin and be like, there's nothing really I can do here because I'm not into tech or I'm not into economics. It's like, no, this is money. You can do whatever the fuck you want and relate it to Bitcoin somehow. You can make T-shirts, you can play video games. I talked to a guy last night uh, on the pod who... um, was saying when he first got into Bitcoin, him and his brother, they like making like craft beer or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they went up to some uh, festival and they printed out their receive address QR code on their t-shirts nice. and walked, walked around with a keg and was just like, if you scan this t-shirt and pay me, I'll give you a, a beer. Hell yeah. <laughs> you know? That's so dope. Yeah, it's awesome. Nice. And, and you know, there's so many small uh, businesses and projects popping up on the space right now. Like I had uh, Scott Gibley, who made this game, uh, Shaw Emery. It's like a card game for learning about Bitcoin for, uh, you know, kids and stuff like that. Nice. The guys at Crypto Cloaks are making a lot of cool stuff. Like everyone's just kind of realizing that, no, this isn't, this is an economy. And so mm-hmm. I can plug into it in whichever way I think I can provide value. And it, it turns out that, you know, people really love to see that kind of activity and they seem to be supportive of it. Like, the guys over at Citadel 21 with the magazine uh, mm-hmm. they did recently, like, and that's what this ultimately has to be, right? It can't, I mean, it, it, it's an economy. So mm-hmm. if you're, whatever you're into, there's probably going to be a market for it using this medium of exchange. And so, you know, I'm, I can't wait to see all this, all the stuff that pops up in the next little while as people try to determine like how that, how I should be a part of this thing, you know? Mm-hmm. What are you working on, Quinn? Uh, weren't, weren't you doing something? Who, me? Yeah. Weren't you doing something in art, T-shirts? Am I? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm working on, well, so it's the it's the end of my busy season for my business that I'm running. And then uh, I'll have some more spare time in the winter. So I'm working on some woodcuts. Cool. Um, slash screen prints, yeah, that are like Bitcoin and Bitcoin mushroom psychedelic inspired oh i'm all over that shit yeah like (laughs) and like i shared it with someone else in the bitcoin space uh, just the idea barely visually and verbally and like their take on what i was trying to say was like 100 percent different than what i was actually saying but i was like beautiful perfect that's what art is right like you interpret it however you want um however it moves you so i was pumped about that so yeah i'm working on that sick can't wait to see it Lab, were you going to say something there? Um, yes, I was. I forgot what it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what about you? Do you have ambitions to, um, you know, be more involved? Or are you just content to kind of uh, do what you're doing? Yeah, I think it's it's impossible to have uh, gone down the rabbit hole for a few months and not want to contribute. Um, I wasn't very busy lately, so I, I started getting uh, sketching out some ideas for a website uh, that really just 
uh, guides uh, new and no coiners to uh, yeah, a holistic explanation of what Bitcoin is. Um, fortunately or unfortunately, I, I got very busy again, so that's not really gotten off the ground. But yeah, that's that's something I really still want to do. Just make make a tool for making Bitcoin accessible and and explaining just really simply why it's important and why we need something like Bitcoin for yeah for our future. It's it's hope. That's yeah. uh, that's exactly that's a really important thing. Yeah, totally agree, man. Do you guys? Um... Are you guys concerned about political climates, not just in the U.S., but just, you know, with COVID, everything going on? Do you guys give consideration to citadels in whatever form that may take for you? Yeah, it's 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 really weird what's going on around the world. And a lot of people just are okay with whatever the government pushes onto them as long as they say, oh, it's for it's for public health or it's for the public good. And yeah, I have been just kind of prepping for whatever may happen. I don't think it'll it'll get quite so crazy here in the Netherlands. We have a pretty good track record of being a pretty chill country, even though taxes and stuff are, are very uh, very high, but yeah, I, I have been just more looking at, at if things go wrong, where would I go? Where can I go? And yeah, no like actual serious plans, but I, I do have a good idea what I would do if, if things went wrong now. Do you not want to share that? Well, we have some uh, family abroad and we have some plans about how to, uh, where to put our, our Bitcoin and uh, how to safely store it in case things go wrong. That's a, that's a quick summary. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. I have a, I'm a, Definitely got some uh, arms. <laughs> uh, I'm really going like Annie Oakley over here, actually, which my pops would be very proud of, or is very proud of, probably. Um, like, I grew up shooting bows and guns and fishing, and, you know, my brother and my dad were trappers and what have you, and I strayed from that for a long time, but now, uh, you bet your ass, I have some stuff to protect whatever I need to protect. Yeah, baby. <laughs> and uh, I'm so pumped to go to the shooting range and shit. Um, <laughs> so pumped. Uh, and we don't we don't live in that large of a city. We're outside of the city, but I'm eyeing property. We, you know, we're eyeing some property in the middle of nothing. Um, so I don't I don't know how long it'll take for fiat to crumble. Um, but I, you know, I've heard a lot about um, hyperinflation happening sooner than later. And um, I think Bitcoin being in place is 
super great, but I don't know that the transition is going to be extremely smooth. So yeah, I have, I have, uh, some protection and, um, some space I'm looking at outside of the city for, uh, you know, I think my husband wants to get a turret and, uh, we're talking like, you know, moats and dogs. (laughs) 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 I mean, whatever, that's probably bullshit, but yeah, definitely dogs and guns, um, and some space outside the city. Absolutely. Don't fuck with you guys. No, definitely Um, There's, I don't think there's any way things are going to go completely smoothly. I just hope fiat crumbles slowly and enough people can learn about about bitcoin and peaceful ways to transition away from that but yeah it's not gonna be fun whichever way you put it yeah i think we all uh see that and agree with that um corinne safe to say that your attitude towards guns changed this year as a result of going down the rabbit hole or had that been changing for a while um yeah i had this and it, it was probably like the earthy whatever way um but like man if i like if i think i need guns to protect myself like am i bringing this like like violence upon myself idea you know um but like years ago and then um my fella's dad passed away and he inherited several guns from him. So I was like, well, fuck, I can't like, I can't put my foot down about that. Obviously, like he's a man and those are his dad's guns. Like those are coming in our home. Fair. Um, yeah, but then I was like, pretty much right around Breed Love article and getting into Bitcoin. I was like, okay, I need some guns. I gotta get some guns. Like, <laughs> like right now. Cause like all this shit going on. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah I, need, I need to make sure I can uh, protect myself and what's important to me. So yeah, you guys are lucky in the states. That. It's so easy to to get your hands on some. Not so easy everywhere else. Three D print that shit, yo. Well, yeah, yeah, that's definitely an option. Although I wouldn't want to have to rely on those quite yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, guys, this has been uh, super fun as expected. Did you guys have any other things you wanted to touch on before we shut this thing down? Nothing specific for me. I had a lot of fun. Corinne? Um, yeah, nothing specific. I'm just uh, happy to happy to be here and talk to you guys. This has been really good, man. <laughs> really nice. <laughs> Talking with Bitcoiners is great, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's agree to do this again uh, in the not too distant future, because uh, I think. I wouldn't mind this being a regular thing either. So I'll hit you guys up in a, in a few months time. We'll do it again. Cool. Thanks, John. All right, guys, have a good one. Yeah.